0: Even before the arrival of the automobile, the Buffalo Road Corridor emerged as a transportation artery throughout East Erie County. Both the railroad and various trolley systems followed the general path of the road, taking people on their daily journeys, often between the nearby cities of Cleveland and Buffalo. As cars became more and more popular, the road was improved and widened several times. Service stations and other businesses began to pop up. It was the beginning of suburban sprawl, connecting various communities throughout the tri-state region. Buffalo Road has maintained its status as the main thoroughfare through Harbor Creek Township and serves locals and visitors alike. Hello! Welcome to this episode of Artery of a Community, Stories of Buffalo Road, a Mercyhurst University Public History Program Senior Project. My name is Stephen Meradian, and I am your host. On this episode, we will explore the development of Route 20 in Harbor Creek, otherwise known as Buffalo Road, its impact on transportation in the region, and its development into a highway. There is no doubt the impact that the railroad had in both creating and destroying thousands of communities in the United States. Towns were built as the railroad pushed further and further west, but just as many were bypassed. The first train of the Lakeshore and Nickel Plate Railroad came through Harbor Creek on January 10, 1852. A significant snowstorm had hit Erie County that weekend, and the locomotive reported difficulties reaching the destination. Nonetheless, It was welcomed by a large crowd of several hundred, eager to see the newly constructed railroad put into action. Not only did this new rail line provide transportation for travelers, but goods and services from bigger cities like Cleveland, Buffalo, Chicago, and New York would become available for area residents much faster and easier. The Buffalo and State Line Railroad connected the Erie and Northeast Company at the New York State Line, which opened on February 22 of 1852 just over a month after the Lakeshore train made its first stop. This train connected Erie to nearby Buffalo with a transfer at state line. Worth noting, the rail line heading west towards Cleveland, known as the Cleveland, Painesville, and Ashtabula Company, was completed in the fall of 1852. Clearly, this was a busy year for the railroad in Erie County and the Great Lakes region. Simply put, this changed the game in terms of connection throughout the entire Northeast. Harbor Creek became a center of attention for the rail companies in late 1853. On November 17th of that year, between Buffalo and the Pennsylvania State Line, the owners of the Buffalo and State Line Railroad decided that the gauge of the rail line would be changed from 6 feet to 4 feet 10 inches, making it the same width all the way from Cleveland to Buffalo. Makes sense, right? Well, Erie County residents, including those in Harbor Creek, were dismayed to see the change. They wanted the end of the line for the New York and Erie Railroad to be here instead of Cleveland. They also wanted appropriate opportunities for transfer in Erie, and if trains did not stop, then this was not possible. This now opened the door for trains to pass right by Harbor Creek without even stopping, leaving both economic and travel opportunities behind. Erie was vying with other cities at the time for economic superiority, and without proper transportation, this was a problem for the Erie and Harbor Creek area. The change became official on December 7, 1853. Erie and Harbor Creek residents were ready to protest the new gauge width. In Erie, a mob tore down bridges over state and French streets and destroyed large sections of the tracks. The railroad replaced the track, and the locals continually tore them up over the course of months. Similar events transpired in Harbor Creek. Track was torn up in three separate places the day following the initial mob, including a bridge and the section of track that intersected Buffalo Road. This went back and forth for some time, interrupting regular train service to the west for months and hindering it for years. This uproar came to a boil on December 27th when a train from Buffalo pulled into Harbor Creek. Residents were in the process of tearing up yet more of the track, an act that was more or less ritual by this point, when the conductor of the train came out to see what was the problem. A scuffle broke out and the conductor raised his pistol, Misfiring twice, and on the third try, struck a local man named George Nelson in the head. He survived the affair, but the crowd grew larger and angrier, many thinking he was dead. The conductor got back on the train and escaped to safety somewhere in New York, while the crowd became more demanding and restless. Eventually, military men from Harbor Creek and Erie arrived and declared that no more shall be done on the tracks until judicial approval. There were many legal battles involving both the tracks and the incident that occurred in Harbor Creek. However, due to a Supreme Court decision, much to the chagrin of Harbor Creek residents, the track was finally completed in spring of 1854. The Erie Gage Wars were declared perhaps the most exciting thing to ever happen in Harbor Creek. There was a time when you could travel from Harbor Creek to Buffalo, Cleveland, Chicago, New York City, and everywhere in between via streetcar or trolley. In fact, for out-of-towners, you could travel from Chicago to New York City through Harbor Creek the Erie region was a convenient stop as it was the approximate halfway point between the two metropolises. For many, this was a convenient way to travel on a budget. In 1866, William Leash opened the first fleet of six horse-drawn trolleys in Erie, though his operation did not last long and even saw one of his horses poisoned. The trolleys, which eventually switched to electric in the late 19th century, operated in sections that were each owned by different companies, For example, in 1898, the Erie Rapid Transit Company made plans to construct a streetcar line from downtown Erie through Wesleyville, Harbor Creek, into Northeast. Travelers wishing to go farther could transfer lines in Northeast and continue on to Westfield, Dunkirk, or Buffalo. The fare from Harbor Creek to Moorheadville, which is now the border of Harbor Creek and Northeast townships, was 10 cents and to continue to Northeast was another 10 cents. This line opened in September of 1901. These journeys were long and tedious due to the high number of transfers needed to reach big city destinations. However, the streetcar made it possible for suburbs to emerge, and those who were employed in the city did not have to actually live there. The Buffalo and Lake Erie Traction Company was started in December of 1906, which connected Dunkirk to Erie. In March of the same year, the Buffalo to Dunkirk and Dunkirk to Erie lines had been combined, but did not begin service until late 1909. Two years later, the company completed a line from Erie passing through Lawrence Park and eventually Harbor Creek via Iroquois Avenue, parallel to Buffalo Road. Nearly 200 passengers a day enjoyed, or perhaps did not enjoy, this service. During the Prohibition era, the Erie region was ripe with smuggling operations due to its proximity to Canada. There was some rumor that the last journey of the trolley cars was involved with some rum-running activities, but for good reason, there is no true documentation of this. By the 1920s, financial problems arose for the trolley companies. The Depression hit, and the automobile became ever more popular with individual travel. Yet the Buffalo and Erie lines still made 10 trips a day through the mid-1920s. The trip to Buffalo could take nearly four hours, a trip that now takes less than an hour and a half by car. The entire line was closed by 1933, marking the end of the trolley era in the Erie region. Locals will notice the former interurban trolley barn at 5358 Buffalo Road, which has been free of trolleys since the early to mid 1930s. This is one of the last remnants of the trolley industry in Harbor Creek. Also worth noting is that Northeast, near the modern intersection of Route 20 and I 90, boasted the world's longest trolley bridge at 900 feet long. This track was also abandoned in 1933. Transportation along Buffalo Road for many years required diligence and an acknowledgement of the dangers one may encounter. Dead Man's Crossing was located just west of the village of Harbor Creek, where present-day Buffalo Road meets with Depot Road and passes under the train tracks. The subway was built because pedestrians and motorists alike had to cross the train tracks at this crossing to get to Buffalo Road. It was also at this location that two different company rail lines crossed, making for a very confusing and dangerous situation. The area was unpaved, and many times the person crossing could not see the train coming from the opposite direction. The only warning was a stop, look, listen sign. People would go through these steps at the first set of tracks and then go too fast across the second, oftentimes right into passing trains. There are many sighted examples of deaths at this crossing, and it prompted the construction of the subway or underpass that exists today in 1921. During the Harbor Creek Bicentennial in 2003, the subway was decorated with new flower beds, welcome signs, and a new paint job. The arrival of the automobile era transformed Buffalo Road. The first automobiles went on the market in the U.S. in the early 1890s. Jackson Kohler of the Kohler Brewing Enterprise was one of the first Erieites to own one in 1898. By 1901, Jacob and Louis Roth had established the Erie Auto Coach Company to compete with the trolley industry. By the 1920s and 30s, auto-driven changes came to Harbor Creek and Buffalo Road. Service stations began to pop up along the road to tend to drivers' needs. The Sterling Service Station, operated by Clyde Nonomack and his father-in-law, John Vance Chapman II, was opened in 1923 as the first Atlantic refining station in northwestern Pennsylvania. The station was located where Depot Road meets Buffalo Road on the north side, with the train tracks to the rear. The station boasted two paved pump aisles to satisfy empty tanks of travelers, as well as a convenience store that sold anything from tobacco to snacks and drinks to bread and personal care items. Customers were allowed to have a weekly tab that could be paid off later. Interestingly enough, biplanes would occasionally land nearby in what is now the Harbor Creek High School football field on their way to Cleveland or other cities and refuel. Other service stations followed suit. Joe Ed's service station, located on Buffalo Road just east of the village of Harbor Creek, opened in 1933, and a Sunoco station was opened in the Eastway Plaza in the 1970s. One of the major problems for the automobile industry throughout the 20th century was for a long time, the roads just weren't wide enough for this type of traffic. Buffalo Road itself has been widened several times, most notably in 1954 when it was widened to four lanes of traffic for the section through Harbor Creek Township. The most recent significant addition to the Buffalo Road corridor in terms of transportation was the construction of the Nagel Road or Harbor Park Bridge that was completed in September of 2003. Many remember Wall bridge Road being the nearest connector between Harbor Creek and Lawrence Park, as well as Iroquois Avenue and the East Lake Road, having to pass over three sets of railroad tracks, often waiting for one of them to pass. All of that changed after the bridge was built. It connected the two communities, and locals have not looked back. This project was vital to the business sector of Harbor Creek, as well as just simply made sense for ease of travel. Buffalo Road continues to be a work in progress as the 21st century rumbles on. So I'm here with Dean Pepisolo, who is a lifelong Harbor Creek resident and has been one of our Harbor Creek supervisors for 15 years, and he's going to talk a little bit about some transportation elements and development within the township. So, Dean, tell me, how did the Nago Road Bridge change the landscape of the township, and what opportunities did it bring to the Buffalo Road sector that may not have been there before?
1: Well, I think it was certainly one of... um single biggest things that, that we've done from a, from a transportation and a development uh, issue. Um, I, I mean, it, it did two things. Number one, it made it far more convenient to, uh, for the vehicular traffic to traverse uh, into Harbor Creek North and South and, and to Lawrence Park and Westville for that matter. Um, so I think the, the, Nagel, the Nagel Road Bridge kind of affected three communities uh, all positively. So it, it just it brought much more traffic into our main commercial district. And when developers are looking at, at commercial development, they are certainly looking at traffic as one of, the, one of the important things. And surprisingly, they're looking at it in a very uh, short area of space, maybe three or four blocks, but, but one or two blocks are very important. And as the numbers change, uh, so do their development options. So it brought traffic into a very defined area and allowed for commercial growth, number one. But the other thing it did was it, it made the community safer. Uh, it wasn't, it was no longer, first of all, Negro Road didn't go through. Um, when it did, it was another, it had an apt grade railroad crossing, like we do at Walbridge Road uh, here in Harbor Creek Township, which um, people, they never deemed to be safe. You, you do your best to make them safe, but they're still train crossings. Um, so from that standpoint, um, it made it safer. If a bridge over the traction, not dealing with any of that stuff, traffic isn't
0: every so often. So it helped us uh, really in various ways. Sure. And can you explain the controversy behind the proposed rail terminal in 2014? What was the project proposing and why did it receive so much pushback?
1: Uh, that's a boy, that's a great question, Stephen, and, and I think it'll be a great case study going forward <laughs> for a number of reasons. It, it, it was controversial, there's, there's so many elements to this, but it was controversial, I think, because essentially the developers almost sprung it on the community. They had purchased land to do this rail terminal uh, long before they ever came to the municipality or went public with a project. So I think first and foremost, the community felt this thing was, was sprung on them. But really, ultimately, what this comes down to around to pitching this project, it was sold as one semi-truck every minute will be exiting I-90, coming down deep over Route 531 at that point, coming through the heart of our business district, um, and then going to the actual rail terminal facility, one every minute, essentially 24-7. So you, you can picture the impact that that would have on a, on a, a, a suburb of the city of Erie. You throw into it that they wanted essentially to Lowe's, Walbridge Road, one of only two north-south thoroughfares, mind you, into our business district, uh, for an hour a day every day. The impact to emergency vehicles, school buses, general traffic was was significant. So I, I think that the community understood that the, the, the need for development in Erie County, certainly this type of transportation development, manufacturing, for lack of a better term. I think the communities, not only of Harbor Creek, but Lawrence Park, Wesleyville Northeast, there were so many people involved in this. They they were willing to make sacrifices for the greater good. But when you look at the impact, Harbor Creek is the third largest municipality in Erie County by population after the city of Erie and and Mill Creek Township. It is one of the few growing municipalities in a county that is losing population. And the charm of it, the, the farming and, and all of these things are kind of wrapped up in Harbor Creek Township. So a project like this affects everything about a municipality like Harbor Creek. I think that our people felt there were certainly better locations that may not have been researched. Uh, so, so that's a factor. Uh, I think we had a bad rap publicly from some folks, but certainly not from our own folks, the, the impact, the negative impact would have been tremendous. And I think that's something that you look at if you're talking hundreds or thousands of jobs, if you want to blow up a community and it for the better economic good of a community fine but we were talking dozens at best and i think that was a stretch to be honest so so the question for our residents became is it worth blow, essentially blowing up this community and everything that we are for a few jobs maybe the answer is yes um we bet that that never got to be answered the other thing that's important in this Stephen, is that that project uh, when it was all said and done uh the, the group that put it all on did a study and came out with a four-page fact sheet that said that that project was never viable, never viable. That's how important this is. There wasn't the market for what they wanted to do. So we went through all of that and then came out the study and said it wasn't even viable. So it's just, uh, (laughs) it'll be one that goes down in history. But but the, the negative impact far outweighed any positive benefits to a community. I think that's ultimately the message from that
0: project. Yeah, I remember that being such a big deal. And I, you know, didn't really know why. I mean, I was whatever, seven years ago at this point. So I was you know, still pretty young, but. Um, yeah. Can you, you picture the
1: environmental impact of all those trucks? You picture the, the, the beating on our roads that taxpayers would really ultimately have to pay for. And that's just, let alone the economic impact. of, of Businesses are not going to come to an area where there's essentially dirty manufacturing. I mean, they're just not. We, we are, that, that district is retail, it's restaurants, it's all of those things that, that you know, that you, you think of in a suburb, um, all of those things would have been in jeopardy uh, had this project actually come again. It was not was never possible anyway,
0: in retrospect. And then once winter hits, you know, one of those trucks is going to derail or, you know, something. And...
1: Yeah, yeah, we didn't. You know, I never wanted to cry wolf over those things. Um, and again, it never got to us. The, the township never actually saw it. They went through public hearings on their own and they saw the reaction.
0: So kind of the opposite end of that is I'm sure you and your fellow supervisors have overseen you know, various projects along uh, Buffalo Road that were successful um, in your time at the township. And can you describe um, some of these successful projects?
1: Yeah, the, the biggest one, uh, I think, was uh, the old Eastway Plaza, um, probably almost a decade now. Essentially, have demolished an entire old traditional plaza um, and built brand new uh, company large commercial shopping plaza developer, Benderson developed out of Buffalo, one of the, one of the biggest in the world, um, who you know you, you think of, they're out-of-town owners, and they, they take their money and they run. It's not necessarily like that. Um, Benderson certainly committed to Harbor Creek and is still committing to Harbor Creek. Um, but to knock down essentially a, a $5 million plaza to build a $10 million plaza, it was, it was a pretty substantial um, development. And I think as that happened, um, as kind of the, the big dog... Um, did it then then you saw the the old theory that the rising tide lifts all boats so they saw this eyesore get transformed for millions of dollars and then everybody comes with it so now a place like mcdonald's says okay we're going to start over (laughs) knock this thing down and start over we we need to be modern we need to match what's going on with our neighbors and then the neighbor next to him goes well i can't i can't be the worst looking place on the block so no i have to do it so (laughs) i think that's kind of what you're seeing right now is that everybody is following that trend and everybody's getting better in what they do. We're not expanding greatly um, because we're still in Erie County, population's still kind of going in the wrong direction in this Rust Belt community. Um, uh, people, our population can use, continues to go up, um, which is fine, um, but we don't want the rest of the community to suffer either. So there is some of, some of that going on. So I think we're, we're benefiting a little where we're not going to grow like crazy But we are seeing improvements. Everybody seems to improve a little here and there. But I think it's large part because uh, a place like the Eastway Plaza, now the Giant Eagle Plaza, uh, improves. And I think we're seeing the the benefit, the fruits of our labor um, in the last decade. We have worked very hard to um, certainly to encourage
0: Yeah, and uh, kind of the next logical step here is what do you see for the future of uh, the corridor? Um, you know, is there stuff that's going on now or are there things that are uh, in the works? Obviously, I'm sure the pandemic has hindered some of that, but uh, you know, what do you see going forward?
1: Yeah, you know, the pandemic's really a, a blip when you look at the big picture, although certainly we've been dealing with it for the last year. Uh, 15 years ago, I would have said to you, holy cow, how are we going to slow this thing down? Um, uh, we, we want Harbour Creek to kind of stay as it is, again, a little bit of something for everyone, but we don't want to, you know, have pavement running from from line to line, east to west, north to south. It's not what we want. We want to preserve our integrity, our heritage, our grape farming, our open spaces, our parks, all of those things. So 15 years ago, uh, our concern was, holy cow, i are going to slow this thing down. Um, and here we are 15 years later, and now it's like, Okay, we're not too worried about that. Obviously, again, the whole Erie County as a whole, when you look at it from 10,000 feet, um, still kind of losing population. Um, So we're not, I think 15 years from now, Stephen, it'll look really similar like it does today. I think we'll improve little by little. um, Hope that the city of Erie rebounds and and the community rebounds as a whole. Um, But I don't think we'll expand like crazy. I mean, 50 years ago, uh, most of this, whole area was farmland, for goodness sake. So it is still a fairly short period of time. But I don't see massive expansion going forward. And that's a different feel for us than it was 15 years ago. I think we'll continue to improve little by little, assuming that the rest of the community does uh, as well.
0: So I think it'll look about the same. Yeah. Is there uh, anything else that you would uh, feel worth adding?
1: Um... No, I think it's, I transportation is an important part of this. I think transportation them and go hand in hand so sure. we don't we know, we don't want traffic signals you know every every 50 feet we, we we're making uh, businesses work together so they're sharing access so maybe three or four businesses ultimately you can drive through each of their parking lots to come out of one traffic signal or at least to one area so i think that's kind of the where we're going uh forward is how do we deal with all the traffic that, that comes with it and do it in a smart way um, so it's efficient for people and so it's safe so i think that's something that we'll work on um, going forward, and, and they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, you know, the development of transportation, almost always go hand-in-hand. Hand. Stormwater is, is with that. So so all of those things are a factor when you think of when you think of transportation. It just isn't, you know, people zooming by on a, on a major highway. So that and the relationship with PennDOT, Route 20 is a, is a state road. Um, so our relationship with PennDOT has to remain strong, it has been, um, and, and we'll work hand-in-hand hand on how that goes. So that's there's the future of it, That and how much money we spend on paving on our own side roads.
0: Oh, great. Thanks for coming on and um, giving us your insight. Um, This was really good.
1: Yep, you bet. Glad to. We think Harbor Creek has a little something for everyone, that's for sure. So we welcome
0: anybody. In many ways, Buffalo Road acts as a main street for Harbor Creek. It may not look like what one would picture when Main Street is brought up. Disney World may be the standard bearer. But it functions the same way. Businesses line the corridor, the central shopping areas are adjacent to it, and is by far the largest non-interstate road that passes through the township. It has the feel of a vital artery that the community could not do without. Buffalo Road has been shaped by the various forms of transportation it has borne witness to. There is little doubt that the ongoing development of the corridor will continue to shape Harbor Creek Township for generations to come. Until next time on Artery of a Community, Stories of Buffalo Road, I have been Stephen Moranian, and thank you for listening to this Merciers University Public History Project.